Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 releases this week. Oppenheimer is being called Christopher Nolan's best film ever by actor Benny Safdie. And Jennifer Garner is reprising her role as Elektra in Deadpool 3. Let's get into this week's movie news. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. It was a big week for movie news, some crazy announcements, and there's some upcoming movies that we have been dying to see all year, and they're finally starting to come out this July, as well as a pretty good box office and some surprises in there. Let's get into the box office, which is a pretty good week this so far. Better than last week. Yeah, so Insidious the Red Door, I forgot it was coming out this week. Yeah. It did really well. It made... $31 $31 million in its opening weekend. It had a $5.5 million Thursday and then a $12 million Friday. So fans of the Insidious franchise came out. It blew apart any expectations and projections they had. They were expecting 20 to 25 And so this is a big hit for the studio. Is it rated R? Rated R, I believe. And it's being billed as the last Insidious movie yeah, for, a wh- no, for a while. No, no way. They already have a, <laughs> another one coming out like in a year or two that they're planning. No, it's just a spinoff. Well, still, it's a, yeah. it's still an Insidious movie. <laughs> it's like, but that's it's like saying Hobbs and Shaw yeah. isn't a fast movie. They're billing it. It's a, they're saying the last one for a while. For a while. <laughs> Meaning like three eight, years. 18 months. Three years. <laughs> I think that studio is going to start doing this. This is the last one ever. You'll never see these characters again. For a while. Until 2026. <laughs> I think it's cool news, especially because this is Patrick Wilson's directorial debut. To see him be a part of this franchise since the beginning. Helming one. And this like franchise is just this in the conjuring they are the horror franchises right now and that's really cool so good for him good for james wan producing it and you know starting this franchise off it's a it's a big hit i mean that's a that's a great opening weekend for that low budget this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie heron as she meets the plastics and tina fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free and then in second place indy five fell with a 26 million dollar second weekend uh, it's getting pretty bad word of mouth, a lukewarm critical and fan reception. But it's it's so it's an okay second weekend. Obviously, they wanted more than that. Um, it's closing in on uh, 250 million globally right now. Wow, I don't think it's gonna pull 500. That's not 400 huge, tops. I'd say huge bump. So that means Disney will probably lose about 200 million dollars on this movie, just like the Again. Flash just <laughs> lost. $200 million for Warner Brothers right now. So huge, massive franchise bombs the last couple of weeks. And then the biggest shocker this week with the box office was Jim Caviezel's new film, Sound of Freedom, in which he plays like a man hunting down people responsible for child sex trafficking. It's a true story, too. Yeah, based on a true story. So this film, it, it did not premiere this weekend. It actually premiered on July 4th, and it made $15 million just on July 4th, and it was the number one movie in America that day. So it beat out... Indiana Jones 5 on Indy's fifth day of release, which is insane. Um, and then it ended up making another $15 million this weekend. And so it's been out for six days, and it has grossed a total of $37 million. This is a movie that has basically had zero marketing. I haven't seen it anywhere except for I've seen the trailer a couple times in theaters, and I thought the trailer was really cool. Um, it looks like a great dramatic action film. 
And I'm actually, I actually want to check it out because I thought the trailer was really interesting. So I might put this on my watch list sometime yeah, soon. People keep DMing us about it. We've yeah. gotten a lot of recommendations. Hey, are you, have you seen Sound of Freedom? Are you going to review Sound of Freedom? I'm very curious about this film. And clearly, people want this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, like, for some reason, Hollywood doesn't make sex trafficking movies and child trafficking movies. Nah. It's kind of odd. It's a big problem. But clearly. People want to hear these true stories because it is a huge issue in this country that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. 100%. And then in fourth place this weekend was Elemental on its third weekend. It has a $10 million third weekend. And then Spider-Verse came in fifth place with $7.7 million this weekend. And it is closing in on Guardians of the Galaxy 3's domestic haul. It's still lagging way behind internationally, but it could take domestic from Guardians. It just hasn't. It's not performing as well overseas as Guardians did. Guardians was a monster. And then Joyride had a very stunted debut this weekend with only $7 million in its opening weekend. It was a pretty disappointing return on investment for that film. They were hoping for something along the the mid-teens range and something like um, No Hard Feelings, which did really well. Um, it almost made $20 million in its opening weekend. So Yeah, Joyride had a budget of $32 million, Yeah, so, so that's a bad start that's for That's going to be tough to hit. Oh, and this is a long weekend. A lot of people had Monday off from work, so yeah. this was a healthy weekend to have your movie come out, and that's a disappointing result for them. But who knows? Maybe we'll have good word of mouth. And I mean, no hard feelings past fifty million dollars. Yeah, but no hard feelings made three times that much in its opening weekend. It's true. So it had a great start. So we'll. I'm see. surprised that Elemental pulled another ten million. But again, this again long weekend. You got the kids for it's four like days. The kids movie. Oh, I got yeah. my kids for four days. We're gonna do something. <laughs> oh, let's bring her to the movies and get them quiet for two hours. I can't do this. And before we get more into movie news, we are going to be doing a movie poster giveaway in this episode. It's going to be really easy to enter. All you have to do to get a free movie poster is leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. Send us the screenshot that you've done it on Instagram in our DMs. Raiders of the Lost podcast on Instagram. You'll be entered into a contest to win a free movie poster from MoviePosters.com. And it's going to be great. Whatever movie you want, we'll get you that poster from MoviePosters.com. And use our coupon code RAIDERS10 anytime to get 10% off your order from their website today. The most exciting thing happening this week, I think, is obviously Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is coming out into theaters. We're seeing it tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're going to IMAX early screening. And not only that... Carrie Ellis, who's in the film, says Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is the biggest action blockbuster in history. Very excited to see this movie. It's 99% on Rotten Tomatoes with, I think, almost 200 reviews. And this is the critic section. 200, damn. Not that, like, we take much account for Rotten Tomatoes, but still, when you see that for an action movie, hell to the fucking yeah. Also, (laughs) we did an episode on Mission Impossible, the first one, and Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth film. We did that in April 2021, so I actually bumped that up to the top of our feed on our podcast, so if anyone wants to revisit those two, because I think they'll be the two most important connected to Dead Reckoning Part 1. Obviously, it's going to continue the story from 4, 5, 6, but also we have Kittredge from Mission Impossible in the first film is going to be in this movie as well, so I think if you want to revisit it, kind of get refresh your memory on what happens in the first film as well as Mission Impossible Fallouts. And I don't know how we haven't done all the other ones yet, but we will be getting to them soon, we I'm should. sure. Nice plug, man. Yeah, you like that? But yeah. I, I, just We so can do a franchise overhaul like next month. I think that's a good idea. So after, yeah, after Dead Reckoning comes up. But we'll obviously be reviewing Dead Reckoning Part 1 next Thursday, I think. So look out for that next, episode. M- no, next Monday. One of those. The yeah, Monday after Monday. its release. Yeah, so yeah. that's going to be really exciting. I cannot wait to review it. Probably going to see it twice before then. 
beyond excited for this film. I cannot wait to see like the biggest action movie of my life. And then right after that, next the week after, we got Oppenheimer and Barbie coming out. So what a, what a great July. Now, there's some new Oppenheimer news. And uh, what I love is this right here. Christopher Nolan came out and said that Oppenheimer features zero shots of CGI. Everything was done practically. Everything was done in camera. And there's no CGI modification of any images, which is so incredible. And so ha- I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, it's just... You know, movies like that don't happen really ever in this kind of film where you're depicting a massive event that everybody would just, hey, let's just CGI it. So I think this is really fantastic, and it just showcases his love for the the practicality of filmmaking. And I think that things like that, the audience can tell when it's CGI um, in the back of their heads subconsciously, and it has an effect on us. But when we see things happening in camera and it's real, it makes us really immerse ourselves into the imagery that we're watching. Also, Benny Safdie, who plays a scientist in the film, calls it Christopher Nolan's best movie by far. That is quite the statement since Nolan has made some freaking awesome movies. He's made a few good ones. Yeah. He's, made a, he's made a few good ones. <laughs> a few pretty good movies. And Benny Safdie, I would trust his opinion because he's a fucking fantastic filmmaker. And he's got great taste. Yeah, an excellent writer. I mean, he's. I, I'll trust his opinion. If he's saying that, that's really saying something. And, I mean, I over, there's this thing I, I just want to bring up that I keep seeing online. And then I overheard a conversation in public the other day. Oh um, yeah, talking, like, yeah. Something happened the other day. It was so funny. Over here in L.A., <laughs> but talking people, people talking about how Christopher Nolan movies lack emotion, and I find that to be so ridiculous. And the people I ever heard th- talking about it the other day, they were talking about, yeah, he's a great filmmaker, but you can't emotionally connect to any of his movies. Are you and, kidding me? Inception, yeah, Interstellar, and, yeah. And they were even said they even said like he might be autistic because his movies lack emotion. I'm like, I was just like, and I see it online all the time. I'm like. What are you talking about? I was weeping in Interstellar. I, I cried at, at Inception. Well, the entire plot of Inception is trying to connect, get back to his family. Yeah, it's That's an emotional, emotional connection. connection. The whole movie's a, the yeah. plot is emotional connection. The prestige is really emotional, too. I mean, Rebecca Hall's character, what happens with her, it's like deeply Dude, emotional. Dude, Batman Begins? Yeah, Batman Begins is emotional. My God, I the mean... The opening act of that film when he loses his parents, that's the yeah. most tragic part of that franchise. It's just because of recency bias, because Tenet and... Was lacking, I guess, an emotional prop, an, an emotional yeah, theme. Yeah, I can see that. But like, people act like he's never made a movie with any emotion in it. I'm like, I, what dude, are you guys talking about? Dunkirk is about 400,000 people who could potentially die. Dude, I was crying at the end of, end of Dunkirk when the when the boat showed up. I was like, oh my god, with that Hans Zimmer score playing, I was like, oh my god, goosebumps. And I'm just like, does anybody have any idea of like? Does it's like this recency bias? Just because Tenet lacked emotion, people were like, "He never makes movies that are is movies with emotion." I'm like, "You guys are fucking high as a kite." What are you talking about? Yeah, and he so, worked up. I over just there. wanted to say, like, you're all full of shit. You know what you're talking about? His mo- his movies are deeply emotional. Sometimes That's why people love them so yeah. much, not just because of spectacle, Damn. because of emotionality. It's about emotionality. <laughs> Some more news on the Oppenheimer. Action, film. action, can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> Oppenheimer has extended scenes of nudity and sex involving two very hot people, Florence Pugh and Killian Murphy. James is happy. There's going to be boobs in Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you got to prepare, I suggest watching Outlaw King to get ready for this one. <laughs> <laughs> James, boobs are back, man. Here we go. Boobs are Nolan back. knows, man. Nolan knows. He what, heard you, man. He knows what the people want. He, he clearly, clearly listens to the show. 
<laughs> Man, James is right. I'm going to throw some boobs in this. <laughs> now, there's uh, some news about Deadpool 3, and there's been set photos released online. Set photos of both Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman in costume. Ryan Reynolds wearing the traditional Deadpool costume, and Hugh Jackman wearing like plain clothes Logan costume. But there are rumors that he will be suiting up in the classic yellow and blue costume from the comics. I kind of hope so. Show. And also the the Deadpool costume, it's a lot more vibrant in red. It's a little different. People are kind of making an uproar online. All I will say is it's probably going to get desaturated yeah. with the way they color the film. So yeah. a lot of movies like this, the, the, on set it looks a lot more colorful. <laughs> gets desaturated in post-production when you're color grading everything. But also it's a Disney movie, so maybe they're going more color. Who knows? I bet you're right uh, about it being desaturated. Though. Probably, yeah. Um, and then also Jennifer Garner has been announced to be reprising her role as Elektra. And she starred in that film back in O. Five, I think. Yeah, because Daredevil with Ben Affleck Daredevil was, what, 2002 four? 2004? 2003? Something like that. And then Electra was a couple years after that. And then also, it's been rumored that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen will also be joining the cast, reprising their roles, maybe in a cameo, maybe in a higher, in a, in a more significant role. Not sure yet, but they are clearly maybe taking a multiverse approach, which is so hot right now. It seems like it'll be a meta, yeah. joking multiverse movie that's that's what i'm getting at which i i i mean i don't hate that concept it's just like everything's multiverse even now we're doing a satire in the multiverse which i'm assuming because it's deadpool they're probably gonna hopefully poke, they make fun they're of probably it, gonna yeah. poke fun at the metaverse metaverse trend. in a fun way which i'm actually curious to see and excited about just like how they poked fun of the cameos of other characters with having like 10 legit characters from reprising their roles just in a room that Deadpool yeah. didn't even see yeah, inside yeah. the mansion. <laughs> that was super funny. That was great. Make, making fun of all these superhero cameos. And that could be it. I mean, yeah. for these it actors. It could be something simple. Yeah. But also, you never know. I mean, Electra could have a major role in this film. It could be like multiverse is the main plot, but making fun of it at the same time. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. it seems like it's just going to be a satire in the multiverse, which I'm all for. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's fuck shit up, man. We got a new trailer for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. This one was great because not only we got some new footage, but we got a big reveal of a lot of plot details that I'm sure a lot of people were curious about with this movie if they hadn't read synopses or descriptions about what the movie and book are about. So basically, it was a good one to let audience members know, going in blind, what this movie is really about. And it looks fantastic. It really does. This new trailer... It's propulsive and it's very thrilling and suspenseful and it gets those important beats that the audience might not have been aware of. But also there's a lot of Robert De Niro and he's going to play a major role. So they didn't really, I don't even think he said anything in the first trailer. Um, he might have, but um, this is heavily featuring De Niro for sure, which is important. Yeah, and we'll quick rundown of the plots about this indigenous tribe, the Osage, who have this land but they were given the worst land in the area. The shittiest land, yeah. but little did they know and little did the government know that they were sitting on top of an ocean of oil. An ocean of oil! Yeah, and and only I can get it. <laughs> and, and obviously yeah. this makes them filthy rich. It's black gold basically underneath their feet. And of course, these men come in to try to take it from them. This is really the plot of the film and what leads to, obviously, the killers of the Flower Moon, the killings. And De Niro clearly plays one of these main villains in... Very excited about this film. And, like, the great metaphors of the wolves. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Uh, next up, the Coen brothers have announced that they are reuniting for a new film. They both have uh, made films individually the past couple of years. Joel made Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. 
and his wife Frances McDormand two years, three years ago. And then Ethan Cohen is coming out with a new film called Driveaway Dolls uh, with Margaret Qualley. This seemed like inevitable. Maybe they were testing the waters. Maybe they both. It could have been like they both wanted to do a Something film, yeah. and they they didn't, the other one didn't want to be involved in the other film. Like, oh, dude, dude, go ahead and do that. Like, go do your own thing, bro. Um, but it's good to see them back uniting. I think, like, since they've worked together for so long, it's just probably just feels right, you know? Yeah, they're probably just trying to be like, yeah, I want to yeah. go do this. I want to go do this. Cool. And, may, and maybe, this is a, maybe this is a film that they had been trying to get made for a while, and it was just like, for whatever reason, the brakes had to be pushed. And so they're like, okay, while we wait for this one to finish development and get going again, we can do our own thing. So this could have been planned a while ago. Could have been a lot of that stuff, yeah. So that's cool to see them reunite for their next film. Even They just took one off. No big deal. Next up, it's we not like had, they hate each other. Yeah, we have some Brad Pitt and Joseph Kaczynski news now. Joseph Kaczynski, who just made Top Gun Maverick, has made Oblivion, Tron Legacy. He is teaming up with Brad Pitt for a Formula One racing movie. In case you didn't know, there's no title yet. However, they are filming today on Sunday at the British Grand Prix. The actors, including Brad Pitt, will be filming scenes during the actual race. They will have their own pit stops at the track. Pit stars as a driver returning to the sport with fictional team APXGP. And again, no title yet, but I can only imagine what kind of imagery they're going to capture today at the Grand Prix. Yeah, and Kuczynski is taking the same approach as Top Gun Maverick of doing as much in camera as possible. So I'm really excited to see what kind of footage they pull from this stuff because it could be so epic. And versus being inside the cockpit of a fighter jet, let's go inside the driver's seat of these F1 cars. They go fast. Crazy fast. This is really exciting. I love Kaczynski and his practical approach to action filmmaking. So yeah. cool. Next up, Greta Gerwig has just been announced as being tapped by Netflix to write and direct two Chronicle of Narnia films for the streamer. This is exciting news. We were never really huge fans of the Narnia franchise. I remember um, liking... Oh, I liked it. Yeah, yeah I, liked the, I liked the books, and then yeah. I only saw the first film like maybe once or twice. Um, but I think that this could bring some new life and rejuvenation into the franchise for new fans and for younger audiences who have probably read the books recently, the last like 10 years in school. Um, and they haven't had an adaptation to see yet. So this seems like an, an excellent no-brainer for, Ger- for Greta Gerwig, who probably is a huge fan of the books. And to work with a huge uh, budget and production, I'm curious to see what she comes up with. I was very much into Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe when I was in that the one, second yeah, third that grade. Good. I yeah. remember even we did it in class, and uh, Mom and I <laughs> made lemon squares for the class. Cause, like, I remember you guys made those. Yeah. I mean, it's in the book. Yeah, when she... Uh, he, she brings them to the the witch brings, the witch them, to brings her. them to her yeah. yeah as a gift so I was like oh we should make yeah. those for the class it was, yeah, I remember it, they yeah. were good yeah they're delicious I remember really liking them <laughs> you were like so excited about it I was into that book man yeah. <laughs> so I think that's really cool news to see her going into bigger studio productions and obviously she's gonna have insane creative control like Netflix always gives their filmmakers plus Netflix is a really good paycheck so I think this is awesome news get Greta to make even bigger movies she's getting that bag she's been yeah she's getting the bag because she's been talking about doing all the press for Barbie that she wants to become a huge studio filmmaker like taking the path that Christopher Nolan's been taking you know starting small and then boom huge movies so it's really cool news absolutely Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is coming out on December 23rd on Netflix also and Empire Magazine got an exclusive of a bunch of new images in a little more details. 
this is going to be an awesome movie, I think. And now, this is a, was originally a pitch that Zack Snyder made to Kathleen Kennedy when she took over Lucasfilm after the purchase of Lucasfilm from Disney. Kathleen Kennedy became president of Lucasfilm. And this is coming off Man of Steel as well. Zack Snyder, one of the hottest directors in Hollywood at the time, so hot. pitched basically a kind of darker Akira Kurosawa story set in the Star Wars universe. Got turned down, basically didn't happen. And this is a story that he's been trying to make for years now. And Netflix, you know, gave him a budget. And I'm really excited. The set images look really intriguing and awesome. The cast is stacked. It stars Sofia Boutella, Charlie Hunnam, Jamon Hunsu, Ray Fisher, Ed Screen, and E. Duffy. There's a shot of Ray Fisher holding like a five-foot giant gun just firing it. It looks sick. I can't wait to check this out. Zack Snyder's like version of a Star Wars movie. Sign me up. Let's go. I mean, I love Jimon, so anything he's in, he's the fucking man. <laughs> There's news about the new Purge movie, The Purge 6. It never ends. <laughs> and according to director James DeMonico, he said that The Purge 6 is about the remapping of America based on ideology, sexuality, and religion so that the states are broken down. You have your black state, you have your gay state, and you have your white evangelical state. And it's a really broken country. Oh, fuck. So, <laughs> is it, what about is there an Asian state? Like, what's going on here? I like how white people are also evangelical. <laughs> I know, right? This is it's just like, our country's so politically charged. It's just it's like Hollywood. Ridiculous. All, all the white people are so evil and like they're just like crazy religious yeah, people shooting guns and they love Jesus. Oh yeah. <laughs> like if, if white people love Jesus, it's a problem. It's so funny. <laughs> so funny <laughs> oh my god it sounds ridiculous honestly um i guess people want it i don't know it sounds kind of like how a prison segregates itself the prison communities segregate themselves based on uh they'd say separate themselves mostly based on race by themselves yeah, basically yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it's not like the prison does it it's like they do it in their in themselves um so maybe they're using that as inspiration for it like a tribalistic <laughs> i guess self-segregation it's an interesting idea it's it's new so, I'm not really interested that in this. That white evangelical state. Not, not really interested <laughs> in this. Moving on. We got a first trailer for Bob Marley, One Love, starring Kingsley Benadir. It releases on January 12th, 2024. And we're going to get several biopics in the next couple of years. The music biopics are so hot right now. So hot. And we got a Bob Marley movie coming out. Looks solid. Yeah, Mangold actually answered some questions about Bob Dylan biopic with Timothy Chalamet. And he said that they're actually going to get it going very soon. Yeah. And start shooting later this year. But that uh, they haven't, nobody stopped working on it. He said, and he said, even though they were going to shoot it, but then the lockdown prevented them from going forward. And because of everyone's schedules, they couldn't. Uh, commit to shooting so they had to wait until they were all done with the projects they had already committed to after the fact of the Bob Dylan's shooting schedule and so now they're going to get going and he said that Chalamet has basically just been still prepping and playing guitar for the past three years uh, getting ready for this role and Chalamet he posted a video with Zendaya about the announcing the trailer of Dune 2 his hair's shorter. It's clearly Bob Dylan hair, yeah. I would say. So I think they're getting ready to start shooting very soon. It's 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 like just below his ears. It's like that young Bob Dylan height. It's like the shortest his hair's yeah. been since he played Elio. Yeah, because Bob never had hair that long until like maybe 10 years into his career. So it looks like young Bob Dylan uh, hair for sure when he moved to New York, uh, those first couple albums. Dollar in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Next up. <laughs> There's a, a new trail. Two new trailers came out. Uh, the Nun Two released its first trailer, starring Vera Farmiga's daughter, uh, sister, 
Uh, <laughs> Tessa Farmiga is her sister. That's her sister? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why is she so, she's so young? <laughs> Did you research this? She looks like she's like 20. They're sisters. Uh, they're just like 15 years separate. Um, oh, I thought it, it was is her, her sister. Um, and T- Tessa. Tessa. Oh, yeah, younger sister. <laughs> yeah. James wrote. She's 28 years old. Yeah. She looks, she looks young. But yeah. they are a lot. They are separated by many years. Um, but she, they are, yeah, they're 21 years apart. Yeah, many Holy years. Holy crap. Yeah. But Tysa Farmiga is, the, uh, she starred in the first Nun movie, and it did well. So they this new trailer, it looks pretty good. Looks like fans of the original Nun will like this. And then there's another trailer called Corner Office starring John Hamm. And it's, it looks like a dark comedy that's like basically like severance in a lot of ways. Mystery, uh, fantastical, very dry humor, um, set in an office building with some crazy stuff going on. So if any fans of severance... Check that office, the corner office trailer. I think you might like it. Cool. Uh, Tom Cruise, speaking of Mission Impossible, came out. He's doing press. Not too much press, but he's a lot of red carpet interviews, mostly from the premieres they've been doing all over the all over the world. He says, I want to be doing Mission Impossible movies into my age, basically. He was asked about Harrison Ford. He said, Harrison Ford's a legend. I hope to still be going. I've got 20 years to catch up with him. I hope to keep keep making Mission Impossible films until I'm his age. Let's go. I will be seeing Mission Impossible movies until Tom Cruise is done. Is until, like, he can't do the running sprinting anymore. He's going to be sprinting on a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wheelchair, wheelchair sprint. <laughs> I'm coming. I'll be there, man. I'll be there for old Tom Cruise with the catheter stopping oh the, world from <laughs> the, blo- catheter. the world from blowing up. Let's go. Next up, um, <laughs> final bit of news is some Barbie news, not about the upcoming film, but about the previous iteration that ended up getting canned. Diablo Cody, the excellent Oscar-winning screenwriter, was right. She actually was working on the Barbie movie that was originally supposed to star Amy Schumer. Eventually, um, Mattel uh, shut down the movie to take a completely new approach. And she re- revealed in an interview why uh, this film didn't end up working out. And she said it all shut the bed because the executives wanted an anti-Barbie narrative. And she said, I didn't really have the freedom then to write something that was faithful to the iconography. They wanted a girl boss feminine twist on Barbie, and I couldn't figure it out because that's not what Barbie is to me. I heard endless references to the Lego movie during development, and it created a problem for me because they had done it so well with the Lego movie. So the studio wanted the meta comedy approach, the meta approach that the Lego movie took. And anytime I came up with something meta, it was too much like what they had already done. And this is a roadblock for me, but now enough time has passed that they can just cast the Lego movie antagonist, Will Ferrell, <laughs> as the antagonist in a real-life Barbie movie, and nobody cares. That's kind of a dig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of a dig. Um, she's a wonderful writer, but the thing is, even though her movie didn't work out, she still write. The good thing is screenwriters like of her level, they get paid, especially if you're an Oscar-winning screenwriter. So, she went for Juno. Yeah, so at least she got paid for working on the film. Ultimately, it didn't come out, um, but... You know, that's the way the studio system works. They like a movie, and they try to basically make future movies based like similar to the movie that was successful already. So they'll use that as, like, we want this to be the template of our next movie. So try and do that. So it just didn't seem like it was suited to her approach as a screenwriter. Yeah. 
I also I also don't think she's suited to big studio movies like that. She's a wonderful, like, incredible writer of human stories. Yeah, and fun stuff like Jennifer's Body. Yeah, that's yeah, a cool movie. Yeah. So I, th- I think she writes cool stuff. Yeah, maybe not quite a, a massive blockbuster, but not just a massive, a big blockbuster, but like something a like a Mattel movie, something very yeah. corporate. Exactly. And yeah, that's what I meant. Because Barbie's gonna be very much a toy commercial as well as being a cool movie yeah. at the same time. But like, they're gonna be moving dolls and merchandise. Like fucking Star Wars. Did you see the price of the Ken doll at Target? How much? Fifty bucks. Woo! <laughs> we should get the the costumes that Gosling wears for when we review it. Yeah, the, you can get them on Amazon. Everyone will like return that shit. Yeah, <laughs> Amazon returns. Return the fuck out of it. But you gonna wear the the open sh- uh, denim jacket? Maybe. Re- I don't know. The, show those abs, those hairy abs, <laughs> hairy abs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best compliment ever. Um, maybe or the I like the rollerblading outfit. Yeah, that's fun. And then also um, the, the cowboy one. I would do the cowboy one. With the, uh, the, the pink cow- bandana yeah. around the neck. Yeah. They have those on, on Amazon. I was looking them up the other day. So let's, let's go th- get those in for when we review Barbie. I think that'd be that'd fun. That'd be fun, yeah. We'll do a little costume People would love review. that. we got to do more costume reviews. Anyway. The costumes are always fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough because sometimes we, we do an episode. You have to plan it, plan it in it like a day. What should we do for an episode next week? Let's do this. And like, oh, we got to film tomorrow. We can't get a costume that quick, you know? Yeah. But I think we should do, be better about it. Especially stuff that we know is coming out and that we're going to be Costumes reviewing. are fun. Yeah. I think everyone on social media will like it too. Me too. All right, cool. Well, that wraps movie news this week. There was a lot to go on. I cannot wait to see Mission Impossible tomorrow. I'm sure you are all ecstatic as well. So definitely let us know how you like that film. We're going to be reviewing it in like a week and a half once everyone has a chance to see it. So excited. Oh, yeah. So excited. Then we got Oppenheimer and Barbie soon. Holy crap, we're already a week into July, and all it's our cooking. dreams are coming true it's cooking. with this movie release schedule for this month. Very excited. Recent episodes, again, I bumped Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible Fallout up the feed on all the podcast platforms, so check that out if you want a little refresher on the Mission Impossible franchise, especially the first and sixth one. We talked about a little bit of all of them as well. Yeah, but we it was a great episode comparing the original film with its most recent um, adaptation. It was a great uh, side-by-side comparison. Yeah. We also did an episode on Succession last week, if you love that show. And it's great how it wrapped up like a bow perfectly. We did a great series recap of that entire show, which we love so much. Plus some other stuff. Check out the feed. Get in there. So many great episodes. Get in there, well. dog. Get, Get in, in there, dog. dog. Thanks so much for tuning in. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And leave those five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple. We just broke 2,000 on Spotify. Woo! 2,000 reviews on Spotify. 2,000 ratings on Spotify. Thank you so much to everyone who's voted. Let's get up to 3,000 now. Yeah, well, those are rookie numbers. You gotta get those up. I want 10,000 ratings. Yes. Just All you gotta do is hit that star. You don't even have to leave a review. Hit the star. It's just that star. And Apple, obviously, you can... Slice it a cup of coffee. <laughs> We're at over 1,700 on Apple. We gotta, get, we gotta get Apple up now, too. Oh, yeah. We need 2,000 on Apple. But thanks for everyone who's been leaving those five-star reviews. They're really important. It helps us get seen by new people as well as ranked on charts. So, you're the best. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.